0: Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Interview Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Eleanor Tzoponski. I am a board-certified medical oncologist specializing in breast and gynecologic cancers, and I started this podcast as a way to share the journeys and experiences of women who are going through and have experienced cancer in some way. Today, I'm here with Karen Iverson, and she's going to tell us a little bit about her story. Welcome, Karen. Thank you for joining me.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I am a well, I'm now 46 years old, but at the time when I was diagnosed with breast cancer, I was 39. And I'm told that that's young. So it was a big shock when I found out I was diagnosed. And I was diagnosed with stage two um, invasive ductal carcinoma. When I had my initial surgery, they found that I had one lymph node involved which later on meant that I needed chemotherapy. So let's go back a little bit to your diagnosis.
0: Did you feel a mass, or was this a routine mammogram? You were 39, so you were probably not having routine imaging at that time. That's
1: correct, I wasn't. Um, I actually had a friend who had heart surgery and in my closet, or not my closet, but in my shower, I had a sign that said, do your monthly breast exams. And so I said, you know what, I probably should do my monthly breast exams. And so I started and I'm like, this is not so hard, I should do it again. And the next month I realized I felt a lump. And so I called up my um, gynecologist and went in and she felt my breast and she felt my breast and she felt my other breast and then felt it again. And she's like, I don't feel anything. And I was like, how can you not feel anything? Um, So she says to me, well, you're almost time to have your mammogram. So I'm going to send you for a mammogram. And so I went to the local radiology center and they told me that they could not see me for a month. So a month went by. And I finally was seen in the radiology center. And the day they saw me, they did a mammogram and a sonogram and said, you immediately need to go be seen um, by a breast surgeon. When that happened, were you prepared? What were your thoughts on what that lump was? I had thought about it. And the only thing that I could think was that it was cancer. Um, There was no reason for me to have any anything else or to have anything at all. So I didn't really have any other thoughts than that I had cancer. But I didn't want to definitively say that until it was a proven fact, of course. Um, But when I felt it the initial time, I knew that it didn't feel the same as my other breasts. So I knew there was something going on. What happened after you got the diagnosis? Did you
0: spring right into action? Did you know what to do?
1: I did spring right into action. But what happened was I went that very, I think it was the next day I contacted a breast surgeon who was in my town and I went to see her and she did a sonogram herself and said we're doing a biopsy tomorrow so they did a biopsy and she said to me that it may take a couple of days before they get the results well she called me the next day and on that phone conversation she told me that i had breast cancer
0: how did you respond
1: i was just in shock of course i you know, as much as I knew I have this lump and what else could it be? You know, you don't know until it actually happens. And for her to just come out right there on the phone, you know, plain as day and say, you have breast cancer was just very overwhelming. And luckily I had a good friend who um, supported me at the time. And, you know, he said, well, I'll go in with you when you go meet with her. Um, and we scheduled an appointment for me to go in. Um, But what happened then was that she did not accept insurance, um, and I couldn't afford to pay out of pocket, so I had to find a new breast surgeon. So do you have any
0: advice for how to kind of navigate that initial, okay, you have cancer, you have to go see all these doctors? Like, How does one who's never been sick before navigate the – The entry into that medical world?
1: I think the first thing you need to do is to get somebody to work with you. So you can't go through this alone. And you need somebody who can hear for you and absorb things that you can't absorb yourself. Um, You need them to take notes for you. Um, You need them to even just support you if you just wanna talk about whatever's going on in your life besides just the breast cancer. I think that's
0: an important point that not everything is gonna be about cancer, right? So it's okay to talk about the other things going on in people's lives while you're
1: going through this. Breast cancer is very overwhelming and consuming, but you also have to keep living your life and your life continues to live whether you focus on it or not. So it's important that you have that friend there that can help you, support you, and it can be a family member, it can be a friend. Um, Sometimes I think it's better for it to be a friend um, than a family member um, because your family members are so close to what's going on um, that sometimes you need somebody with an outside opinion that you can cross things by. That's a very good point. I think a lot of people sometimes are hesitant
0: to bring people outside of their family into the mix. But, you know, an unbiased opinion really can help, especially if there's decisions to be made that are
1: not easy. I had a friend who was willing to go with me to my doctor's appointments and my mom lived out of the state. But she came up as often as she could um, to be with me for doctor's appointments um, and for chemo. And um, my friend went with us to doctor's appointments. So it was the three of us going. And it was good because we all could talk about what happened. Everybody writes down different things, um, or, you know, because they catch different things that the doctor says. And as a breast cancer patient, it's easy to miss things because you're so overwhelmed and and you get stuck focusing on one thing, whereas your doctor might keep talking about something else. Um, And that's why I really stress the note taker, because that second person can write down for you all of the things. And then you can sit there and just focus on expressing and feeling what the doctor is telling you, um, rather than having to stop your brain to write down exactly what they said. So that's an interesting point, because sometimes and this happens
0: there's a disconnect between what the doctor and, and not just an oncologist but any doctor, or any medical professional thinks they said right and thinks they got across to the patient and what the patient actually heard and yes. I that's something that we struggle with on both sides, and I know that I experience it you know I've, I may present a plan to somebody and, and that's not at all what they took away from my points. So how do you, you know, when you get bad news, right, kind of what's going through your head and what advice do you have for people to focus on what's being said rather than kind of going into
1: a bad place in your mind? I think you have to just continually remind yourself to stay in the present because if you focus on one thing that the doctor says and let your mind run away with it, you're no longer in the present. So you're no longer hearing what's going on after you had that thought. So it's kind of like saying to yourself, keep focused, keep focused, you know, and really trying to pay attention. And when you realize you're not focused anymore to stop and tell your doctor, I'm sorry, can you say that again? I got unfocused. I lost train of thought. Um, you know, and, and just know that you can say that to your doctor, you don't have to pretend you understood everything. You don't have to pretend you heard everything. You can say, I need you to repeat that, please. You know, um, you could say, I'm getting emotional and I, I need to take a break. Can we just hold on for a second? You know, you just need to be able to express yourself and, And as you were saying, focus on what the doctor is saying if you can. And when you're not, take a break. I think that's a really,
0: really important point because a lot of times I think that patients want to stay strong, right? They want to show that they are fine. And, you know, this is the time to be vulnerable. This is the time to say, I'm not able to hear this right now. I need a break. You know, that's what really helps provide the best care.
1: Yeah, I think people are afraid to let their vulnerabilities out. But it's a time when it's important to. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's a time when you sometimes don't have the control not to. Sometimes your emotions just come out.
0: Exactly. And I think a lot of it also depends on who is with the patient in the exam room, right? So is it, is it a friend? Is it a parent? Is it a child? Or is it a spouse, a significant other? So I think a lot of that matters too and who is in that room. And I think one of the things that's always important from the oncologist perspective is to ask and say, look, should everyone be in here? Or is there, do you want to have a private conversation?
1: Yes. And that's true too. I, my friend that helped me through, um, the initial stages, um, he is a man and he's, there's nothing romantic involved between us, but, you know, obviously he's someone of the opposite sex. And so when anything had to be examined, you know, he would step out of the room and I would ask him to step out of the room. Um, so, you know, that's something that you can do if there's something intimate that you need to talk about or, you know, your doctor needs to examine you, and you don't want the person who's there with you to see, you know, you're at total right to say, I need you to step out of the room for a moment. And I think that it's important to
0: advocate for yourself, right? So again, a lot of people are afraid of hurting someone's feelings. What if they're going to be upset? And it's no, I think this is the time to say, this is what I need. And I'm going to verbalize what I need. So I can make sure that I get that.
1: Yes. I actually mentioned in my book that um, you need to ask questions and you need to feel free to ask questions. And I said, you know, my nurse is probably, you know, blaspheming me right now because I just told you to ask as many questions as you need to. (laughs) But you know what? It's important to ask questions and make sure that you're your questions are answered um, so that you are content in in where you're at at that exact moment. So I do, I, I stress being open and honest with your emotions or with your questions or with just whatever is going on and your doctors and your nurses are there to help you. So you know, they know you're going to ask them questions and they're experienced at getting similar questions. It's probably a rarity you could answer for me when you get a question you've never heard before. Exactly. And I think,
0: you know, especially when it comes time to talking about side effects from treatment, I mean, we've heard it before. Um, And I think that people are afraid, like you said, they're afraid to ask a lot of questions, they're afraid to seem, you know, annoying, or, but literally, that is why the team is here. Uh, And I think what's important to bring up, and I want to talk about your book in a minute. um, But I think what's important to bring up is that the there has to be complete trust in the doctor patient relationship from both sides. So patients need to feel that They need to trust their team because if there's no trust, it's just not a great relationship. But I think both parties need to be able to say, you know, are we communicating? Am I answering all your questions? And And sometimes I'll say to patients, you know, I'm not sure what you're asking or what you're hoping the answer will be. And I think that's a fair question. And I think the patients also need to say, I'm not understanding what you're telling me right now.
1: Yes, I completely agree. Um, it has to be transparent. You Mm -hmm. know, the doctor has to be open to express what's going on from their side and the patient, you know, hopefully will be the same way. Um, and that also you brought up what I thought of was, you know, having faith in your doctors and your nurses and well, you have multiple doctors, but having faith in them because, if you're not comfortable with them and you're not trusting them, it's just going to undermine the whole situation. So I think I actually did not go for a second opinion. um, Other than having my first doctor tell me that she couldn't take my insurance. So I had to go to a second doctor. But when I went to the second doctor, I didn't get a second opinion from anybody else. And I just we had researched to try to find a good doctor and found my doctor and I felt comfortable with her and went ahead with doing the surgery with her. And then my oncologist was the doctor who was one of the doctors at my hospital. So I was referred to her, Um, but I felt very comfortable with her when I met her. So that gave me the green light to go ahead. And that's really important because a lot of, and it varies,
0: certainly by cancer, but at least in breast cancer, you know, there's pretty much most of the treatment is extremely standardized and guideline based. So a lot of it, I mean, people who go for second opinions, you know, 95% of the time, or I'm making up that number, but the majority of the time people hear the exact same recommendation. So it's then really about, do you mesh with your doctor? Do you fit with your medical team? You know, is this a place where you feel comfortable is this a place where you can call and get your questions answered because that really is what makes this experience that's so difficult it makes it not as bad as it can be yes i
1: agree i do agree so tell me about your book so i wrote a book it's called winning the breast cancer battle empowering warriors and guiding loved ones and it's a combination book where it tells my experience, but it's also a tips book. So it has seven tips after each of the chapters that gives information to the breast cancer patient and the caregivers, be that their friends or their loved ones, family members, etc. cetera. Um, and I really wrote it because when I was going through the experience, I was journaling and I realized one day I was writing a book. I've always wanted to write a book since I was young as a child, um, but I never imagined I would be writing it about breast cancer. So um, that was just what ended up happening. And I'm very excited about it. When did you write
0: it? I mean, you, wrote the, you journaled during the process, but when did it become a reality?
1: So yes, I started journaling when I was going through it, and then I put it down after I went through it and was in the recovery phase. And then I went through a scare afterwards, um, which I thought maybe I was having a metastasis, but it turned out it wasn't, but I still had to have another surgery. So when that occurred, I started writing again and journaling again about that. And then I put it down, and kind of put it away for a while Um, and then I actually moved and the next summer I saw a program that was advertising writing and to write your own book and I realized you know what I need to finally do it and make it into a book and so I started writing it in the summer of 2018 And then I finished it in the summer of 2019 and published it in September. So
0: you make that seem really easy.
1: Um, You just published (laughs) it, but I'm sure it was
0: a little harder than that. So what goes into publishing a book?
1: So it is a lot. Um, Obviously, you have to first write the book. Um, You have to get all of your facts you know, your ducks in a row, so your facts are valid. Um, and I have references at the back of my book. And um, then you have to go through an editing phase where you're editing it, excuse me, where you're editing it yourself. And then you have to have an editor edit it. And that goes back and forth for several rounds. Um and then you have it proofread um, and you edit it again after the editor and you edit it again after the proofreader. And then you have to have it formatted, so the book gets formatted. And all in the while, while you're doing this, you have a cover created and you have to write things like your description and you write your bio and you get an author um, headshot done. So it's a lot of things. Um, And then after all that, you put it all together um, and then you go about publishing it. But that also requires a different additional things such as an ISBN number. Um, So you have to add a lot of things together to get it to the final publishing stage. And I decided to self publish it. So that was the route that I went. Um, But other people search for a publisher and I just felt more confident in publishing it myself. And so I worked with a group that helps you learn how to publish and they taught me the ropes and I learned the steps and got it to the point where it was published. And where can we find it now? So it's currently available on Amazon. Um, it is in a ebook form as well as a paperback form right now, um, I am pa- planning to make an audiobook. And um, I am planning, I've actually started just at the beginning stages to create a companion book to go along with it um, that the breast cancer patient can take with her to um, the doctor's offices and use it as a sort of journal. Um, to write down answers and have the questions laid out before her the book itself in the tip sections has questions that the breast cancer patient can use to ask their doctors Um, so for somebody who's never experienced breast cancer before it gives you an idea of things you might want to ask a general surgeon things you might want to ask your plastic surgeon things you need to think about when you're talking to your oncologist. So the companion book will have the format so that the patient can write all the answers in there or have their note taker do it for them. That's great. I mean, I think
0: there is a lot of, you know, when people go to meet with each of these people for the first time, you know, they're not really sure what to ask. So it's great to have this guide about that they can take with them that'll help narrow and focus them down a little bit.
1: Yes. That's what I wanted to do because I was so foreign to the whole concept of breast cancer that I didn't know what to ask and I didn't know what to do. And I didn't know I was going to need a plastic surgeon. I didn't, you know, all I could think about was I have breast cancer. I'm going to lose my hair. Like that's what was the big thing in my mind. Mm -hmm. So you know, it wasn't something that I had a road already in front of me that I knew how to drive along. I just kind of went back and forth and went to the left and went to the right. And so my book is an aim at giving the breast cancer patient a roadmap sort of, if you will, so that she knows somewhat what she can do and she has ideas of what it's going to be like when she's experiencing it um just to give a little bit of light you know in what seems like such a dark tunnel that's wonderful and
0: i wish you a lot of success with it thank you what does life look like now several
1: years after cancer so that's a good question um you know i feel really healthy and. It's hard to think about the fact that I had cancer. Um, it's not something I ever thought I would get. And you know, people talk about breast cancer survivors as being warriors. But when I was going through breast cancer, I just felt like I was doing what I had to do, and I was just, you know putting one foot after the next. And now, looking back, I just really feel like I just did what I had to do to get through it. So I just felt like I had to get through it at the time. And now looking back, I just feel much stronger for having made it through. It's hard to think of yourself as a warrior. It is. But do you ever... and may
0: phrase that, do you ever fear of recurrence? And I, I think that's a scary question to ask, but it's something that you know everyone obviously thinks about.
1: Yes, I think everybody thinks about it. Um, I think I would be lying if I said I never think about it. But I don't live my life wrapped around the thought that I'm going to have a recurrence. Um, I live my life just experiencing each day and loving each day. And yes, I have bad days too, but I don't focus on the fact that I had cancer and I don't focus on the fact that I'm going to have a remission. Um, I like to look at things from a positive side and just be grateful that that I made it through and I'm still alive and that I have this long life in front of me because I feel like I do have a long life in front of me. I mean, I still feel like I'm going to live for a long time.
0: How do you cope with those days that aren't good, right? That those days that you are scared of a recurrence, do you have any
1: advice for other women going through something similar? I do. I think the best thing to do when you're going through something like that is to reach out. So you can reach out in many ways. You could reach out by journaling yourself um, and getting your feelings expressed on paper. You could reach out by calling your best friend and you know saying, "You know, I'm having a bad day and I'm really scared right now, and I need somebody to help me, and can you help me?" I mean, you can call your mom if you're close with your mom or your husband, talk to your husband. you know um, But I think that. You can't hide from the reality of what you're feeling. So, you might be feeling something and you might be afraid, but if you face it, you're able to see that you can get through it and beyond it. And I also once was told that a feeling only lasts for. I think it was 60 seconds or it might've even been 30 seconds. And I don't know if this is factual or not, but I like the idea. Um, And what it is, is that the feeling only lasts for 30 seconds. So once you get past that 30 seconds, you're beyond it. Um, I found sometimes that doesn't seem to be the case because I feel like I'm still involved in this emotion for more than 30 seconds. But I think what it is, is I'm letting my mind ruminate over and over again on the same thing so if i could say to myself you know what i'm afraid right now and it's just fear and it's not a reality and if i can stay on that thought i can get past the emotion and past the feeling i think that's really great advice
0: um, because this is something that everyone struggles with and it can be kind of overwhelming and paralyzing that anxiety and the fear of the future.
1: Yeah, it's, it can be very scary. And I do know so many people that I know that have had breast cancer who are through it or still going through it that are afraid of recurrence. It's, it's common because, I mean, gosh, you think, I got this, so maybe I'm going to have it again. But I think it's more important to say to yourself, wait a minute, you know, there's no reason why I'm going to get it again. You know what? I had it and maybe I have genetics that say it's in my genes and then I need to talk to my doctor about doing preventative things. But, you know, you can also say to yourself, I did have it this one time and that does not mean I'm going to have it again. Absolutely.
0: I think that's really, really helpful advice. Is there anything else that you want to talk
1: about before we wrap up? I just think I'm very grateful to have experienced breast cancer. And I know that sounds so contradictory to what anybody would ever think. But, you know, I've met some wonderful women that unfortunately also had breast cancer and you know now i've had some really great relationships you know become really close friends with some of those women and for me also you know i did get to write this book and my whole life i've wanted to write a book so now i can say i'm an author you know and so i think it's really important to take the negative side and see if you can find something positive out of it. Um, Because usually there is some positive aspect of whatever we go through. At least that's my experience. So I just think I'd like to say that, that, that I'm grateful that I'm still alive and I'm grateful I had great doctors And I'm grateful that I've made some great friends through, you know, such a horrible experience. That's a great way to wrap up.
0: Where can people find you on social media if they'd like to know more about you or find your book?
1: So I am, my Twitter and Instagram handles are both Karen E. Iverson. And um, my book, I have a website. It's winningthebreastcancerbattle.com. And again, my book is available on Amazon and it's called Winning the Breast Cancer Battle, Empowering Warriors and Guiding Loved Ones.
0: Thank you so much for joining me today and sharing
1: your story. Thank you so much. I so appreciate you having me on your show.
0: Thank you so much for listening to my conversation with Karen. I think we really touched on things that are so important in the cancer treatment and and life after cancer and that includes, you know, the importance of having a good team with your oncologist and how to, you know, use the people in your life to get through this, how to reach out, how to cope with fear of recurrence. And these are things that people struggle with on a daily basis. So I think Karen's insights were really, really helpful. Thank you all for your continued support of the show If you could take a moment to leave a rating and review over on Apple Podcasts, that would mean a lot as it helps me to grow the show and to bring it to more listeners. Have a great weekend and I will see all of you next week.